Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, man. It's not my birthday. Statistically, <laughs> it probably isn't, but happy birthday. You're pretty close, man. <laughs> I, you know what? It's You're about a month and change off. <laughs> I, I thought, you know, like... I would love to come in and do like a Foo Fighter track or like Metallica, but I've got no musical skills. Nobody so does, man. Everybody that comes on the show, they have no... Well, there's been a few ringers, man, that I've been impressed with. Uh, they just come and they start singing. I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? We should be pressing some vinyl or something. I am so jealous of those guys. But like, it's like... We're here of, for other purposes, man. We have it, other man. skills. That's what it is, man. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so, Scott, welcome to the show, man. I really appreciate it. I know that we've been juggling schedules, trying to figure out when and how and when and all this other stuff but now here we are in front of the mics and we're going to talk what's your official title yeah that's 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 good i mean i, I consider myself titles a, yeah well i'm an entrepreneur by trade but i like like i'm a founder of the westlake team which is a, a mortgage brokerage i'm a mortgage broker is kind of what i'd say i do on the day-to-day -day basis but uh, i run a mortgage brokerage got a team of 50 plus people wear a couple different hats but i'm you know, fortunate enough, I've met some good clients along the way, and I'm involved in, in a few different things at this stage of my life. It, it, it changes. So I want, to do, I, I want to give everybody all the creds there. I want to figure it out. So Scott Westlake here is here. The Westlake team, that's what you guys call yourselves. You started this 10 plus years ago. Yeah. And then online, you're going to find them at uh, www.scottwestlake.com and also at www.thewestlaketeam.com. Yeah, you got it. And then your email is scott at thewestlaketeam.com. Perfect. And I actually kind of like, I mean, I'm envious that you don't really have the social because you're still trying to figure out yeah. how to do the social properly for what you guys are offering. But it's true. Websites are making a huge comeback. Yeah. And if you really want to get information, get it from the website. Yeah. If you want more information, make the phone call. Go the old school route. You know what? I built my business off of uh, like old school tactics, right? Shaking hands, uh, dialing calling people, face-to-face -face visits. And, you know, I am on social. I'm, I'm pretty active on uh, LinkedIn, you know, and people don't think about that. You know, everyone thinks about IG. I love LinkedIn. So do I. Business, it's, love it. Yeah, like my, my demographic, especially when I get into complicated lending, they're all over LinkedIn. And they read, like I get, the, the biggest comment I get, like from a social perspective, not like I don't have an IG account or anything like that at the moment, but uh, they just love when I throw something on LinkedIn and they actually dive into some of the more complex financing discussions I have about like how do we finance like a recreational property, a cottage, a piece of land, construction, development, you know, luxury real estate. There cottage. is nothing that you guys are not touching, like or you you love this, right? So. In construction, you got your tool belt, right? And and you got different things that you could do. You got to be able to do a lot of different things. You know, you don't want to be able to do, you don't want to be a generalist. You want to be a specialist, yeah. right? So I think that we've got a few really niche categories that separate us from our, our competitors, like the construction financing, some of the stuff we're doing in the, in the luxury real estate space. But we do have to have, from a professional development perspective, a knowledge of a lot of, a lot of different things. And so what we've done in our organization is we've got four main business verticals, residential, alternative, private capital, and commercial. And we've got one individual who's the specialist in each one of those. Each companies. one, okay. Yeah. I oversee, obviously, everything, like running the company. My specialty is more in the construction and luxury real estate space. I'm familiar enough with those other business verticals that I can provide support and guidance. I know that off mic, we got started talking, and obviously, 
you're in this industry. Yep. Where is this going? Like, I know interest rates are so low and everybody's buying, trying to buy, I should say. Yep. Everybody's competing to buy something. But where is it going to go? I mean, you're you're a little younger than myself, but you also are aware of back in the late 80s, early 90s, where there was 13, 14, 15% interest rates. We're not dealing with that today. Yep. But what if we are dealing with that five years from now? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I mean, I think that right now, the most important thing you could do as a consumer is surround yourself with good people, like in any industry. I mean, not just real estate. I think real estate is really important because I don't have the crystal ball, but we're definitely in this low interest rate marketplace where people have not experienced 13% interest rates. We were doing mortgages under 1%. I was mentioning, you know, going back a month uh, on average. Under 1%. Under I mean, it's specialty, insurable purchase products. It's niche. It's not everyone. But, you know, today, variable mortgage, you know, one and a quarter, fixed, two, two and a quarter. You know, my fear or kind of what we're preparing our customers for is just what's going to happen at renewal? What's going to happen when they refinance? And, and we're big advocates for cash flow. Like that's what we're really looking at. We try to get away from the rate conversation. It's hard. It's all over the place. You have to. It's in the, it's in the media, right? It, to me, it's like, can you afford the payment? And what does that look like? like in terms of your overall like financial picture. And so the clients that are preparing and understand what the cash flow is and are in a good position are going to be fine. And the concern that you mentioned are the ones that are going to have a, a higher payment, right? That's, that's more the concern, like regardless of what the rate is, naturally the higher the rate, the higher the payment, what is the cash flow going to look like? And how does that impact the family? And especially if you think about the last 18 months, yeah. a lot of businesses succeeded. Real estate was on fire, right? We had a, a 60 day window. We didn't know what was going to happen. And then we had the busiest 15, 16 months after, but that's not everybody. And we really had to come at it like from a place of compassion because we were taking those phone calls when people wanted to defer their mortgage payment. You know, they couldn't afford their, their, their mortgage anymore. And we've been involved in people that have sold their homes, even in this amazing, crazy hot market, there's still a lot of sadness and, and hurt from some of the uh, businesses that were impacted by COVID. When you guys are speaking to clients there, are, what are the reasons behind these impacts? Like the, why were they, these clients trying to get ahead of the curve thinking that, okay, my particular career option, I can't work for the next little while. We don't know, there's too much uncertainty. So should I already start thinking about liquidating this? getting out of that? Is that what was going on? I mean, it was a combination of people that just lost their jobs. I mean, that was a reality. And depending upon the market and industry you're in, you, you may have been exposed to that and you might not have been, right? But if you were exposed to it and you didn't have the income you used to before, and when you picture household debt in Canada in general, like mortgage debt, uh, consumer debt is fairly high in my opinion. People are stretching and it's not necessarily their fault. Where are we right now with that? I haven't been paying attention, so I don't know exactly. I can only assume yeah. it's higher as a result of what's been going on. Yeah, like our, our brokerage has a chief economist and uh, she provides some, some really good uh, insights that I share. I don't try to, you know, come up with my own th my own theories, but you know, household debt is, is high. I don't have the, the statistics. I, I wish I, I could pull it up for you here. But what I do know is, I mean, part of the problem is just a supply and demand issue, right? And we've got so many Canadians that want to be in a home ownership position. They hear about how great it is to build up your equity, and there are a lot of financial benefits of being in, in a home ownership position versus renting. But the challenge is, is that people are extending themselves to get there. You know, we do have strict underwriting guidelines as a, as a country. So we do have some policies in place that safeguard future interest rate changes, but that doesn't, that all goes out the window when you lose your job, right? yeah. you know, or, you know, something catastrophic like health, 
health happens, you know, from a, like, there's good health and there's bad health. And, and you know, I, I've seen a lot of people, just because I talk to a lot of people in my business, that have lost people, right? Not because it's just COVID-related at all, but just in general, you know, accidents and old age. And, you know, that impacts them financially or the people that they're leaving behind, right? Yeah. So there's a million reasons why. What, what is the health ratio? You know how they always tell you when you're a little bit younger, you're like, prepare for those rainy days. I'm assuming that once COVID hit and everything got it got started the way they got started, people's perception of rainy days weren't really realistic to yeah. what they needed. So they could only survive so long. Yeah, people plan like 30, 60, 90 days out. The That's one, it. Yeah, like I'm shocked. The biggest thing I'm shocked about when I look at hundreds and thousands of applications and oversee the volume that we do and, and talk to my peers is the lack of liquidity that people mm -hmm. have and the lack of savings. Now, we're fortunate that a lot of Canadians have high equity in their homes. Like, that is great, like large down payments. And, you know, we're in a super hot market. So everyone in real estate's made X percent, right? 8, 10, 12, 20, depends on your market. So everyone's super excited about that, but that's not liquid. It's hard to access unless you liquidate. Yeah. And liquidating's hard. And if you liquidate the wrong time, you don't realize that value. So. That's the biggest concern. And when we're providing proactive advice, it comes down to putting aside more capital, saving more capital. And I think that's really, really important. So who's at fault here? Because I've seen it myself when I've been called by potential clients. Can you please come and assess this property to give us some insight on what you think we need to do and what that's going to cost us? But then they fall into the bidding trap. Yeah. And, and then it becomes like, a mindset if we came in let's just say for argument's sake a million dollars we didn't want to spend more than a million dollars on the property but we came in and we had a bidding war and we got to 1.4 now so now basically what we want to save for our rental purposes we have to use for our purchase purposes but now we still want to rental so who's really at fault for that yeah i mean it's a good question i think there's a lot of different you know people you can blame ultimately I think it's a macro, like institutional, country-wide, yeah. political problem, yeah, right? I agree, yeah, I think sure. that it's not a surprise that all the parties through our most recent election had a big real estate component to it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, I'm laughing because I'm actually crying. That's, well, it's, <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm crying. Like is, like <laughs> is there going to be change? We don't, we, we don't know, but I mean, it, it, we've got a lot of uh, like supply and demand to me. It's just mm -hmm. one really big issue. And then we don't have policies in place that stop bidding wars and, you know, no one's putting financing conditions in. they're exposing themselves to, to risk that they're not. Yeah. With, right. They it's, it's super. And, then, and if they don't get the financing that they expect, now they are taking those high interest rates and cash flow changes. And it's not that affordable. And if the market corrects, they're in a horrible position. So what happens when it's five years, it's time to renew yeah. and the market has shifted, it has increased, the interest rates have gone up and you were barely covering that mortgage yeah. when you purchase? What happens? I mean, they're going to have to sell. So like, yeah, I mean, selling is always one option. I think one thing that we, we have done well, which I wish was tweaked a little bit, but like we do qualify clients over like this, like stress test. Right. And so, so it's over 5%. So we are qualifying clients 
anticipating, or I shouldn't say anticipating, but assuming if the world ever came to a place where we had 5% interest rates, that they can still debt service the mortgage. So we do have some protocols in place like that to help protect consumers from themselves, because that's really what we're doing. I know, but how does that stress test work now when you've got people that had secure jobs that yeah. are losing jobs? Well, well it's it's 100% contingent on the fact that you you still have that job. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. Totally agree with you. I mean, you've got to liquidate, right? Wow. Isn't, and it's sad, you know. And that's what's going to happen to these people. It could happen to these people, for Majority sure. Majority of it, which would actually turn the entire market upside down at that point. Yeah, I think you'd have a lot more supply. And but then, I mean, like, what was it, 10 years, 15 years ago, we always... How long have we been talking about bubbles? Yeah. How long have we been talking about that? Where we were, like, we were seeing so much influx coming from the West, from BC, and offshore buying from, you know, foreigners and things like that. So we haven't seen the market do what it was supposed to, we thought, was going to do. Yeah. So what, how do we handle that? I mean, I just think it still comes down to planning, right? I mean, you just got to, you got to educate yourself and you can't rely on other people to educate you. You know, we live in such a, a great time in the world where information is so accessible. I drop a lot of great info on my blog. It's, it's where I put a lot of like content that I think is super relevant to Canadians. That's on the website? It's on the website okay. and then it gets dripped into LinkedIn, right? Perfect. And then LinkedIn is where I get a lot of commentary from past and, and future customers and referral sources and that's my opportunity to just share with people what I think is, is relevant and a lot of it is about education and so it doesn't matter necessarily what I'm posting there's a lot of people like me and a lot more intelligent than me in different capacities like our chief economist and other individuals across Canada but there's just so much good content that Canadians just need to do some due diligence and, and learn for themselves because what you find out is when you lose your job or you get sick you know, if you don't have a family or really close friends, I mean, you're on your own. Like the, the and bank, that's tough. Yeah, the bank and the brokers can only do so much. Mm, and they won't, realistically. It's hard. Yeah, they won't. I mean, they're because they have to watch. I mean, Canada, is, it's interesting because, I mean, we avoided that whole housing crisis that the U.S. got hit hard with. And that was, you know, I, I will pat the back of the government at that time. They avoided that for us, which was great. But then things have changed now, and now we're looking like we're going to get into that kind of scenario, which is a bad thing. So I think everybody should be looking. I love that there's so much information out there, but there's also a lot of misinformation. Totally. And that's where people start reading a bunch of stuff, and then they'll start getting concerned. And so I guess it's really about trying to find you got to weed it out. So, I mean, if you started reading your blog and yeah. your points and then if key things were jumping out at clients, you kind of ask those hard-hitting questions to you. Yeah, like I'm a huge sports fan, played my whole life, and I just always feel like you want to surround yourself, right, with the way people, right? It's, it's coaching. It's the staff. It's, you know, if you're playing hockey, it's it's like it's like the stick boy or girl. Yeah, like yeah. It's the medical stick. You've got so many people. There's so much infrastructure you need to surround yourself with to have success in anything in life. And so I'm just a big fan of consumers when we're talking about real estate putting that good team around them don't have yes man and yes woman around you have have good people have professionals look like look at the reviews right like, like yeah. check the reviews get a referral talk to past customers and get credible information because you're right information is a double-edged sword it can be really good but it can be very very harmful and so you got to find some information that resonates with you because like i've got a different way of of teaching people than someone else if that resonates with you 
check it out. Like, don't just take their word. Like, look at those reviews. Talk to other people. Follow through the whole thing. You got it. It's a, it's the biggest decision you're gonna make, right? Well, here's the here's the, the the evil thing that I know from construction, and it's been hard because you try to. I tell people all the time. You got to surround yourself. I call it a circle of construction, yeah. right? You got to surround yourself with the right people, and those are like-minded people that you want to continue working with. It's the same thing because if you're, when it comes to investing or purchasing or making those big decisions, if you start hanging out with the wrong people, they might purposely, yeah. you know, avoid telling you good things because they want to see you fail. And, and that's just yeah. human nature. And there's a lot of money at stake too. Yeah, like, like think about real estate. Like there's. You know, a couple of realtors on the deal, buying, listing. You've got a lawyer on the deal. You might have a broker on the deal. You've got a lender on the deal. Like, there's a lot of capital and there's a lot of economic turnover in a positive way every time transactions happen. So there's a lot of people that benefit when, when certain activities happen. And so you need to make sure that those people that have an advantage for that activity to, to, to go through and close have your best interest. And the only way to know that is by talking to other people, backing it up, looking for reviews, referrals, and, and, and vetting it out. You know? And I love that at the very beginning that you started talking about old school. Yeah. And I think it's really important that, sure, you can go online, you can source out this information, you can sort out the people that you want to speak to and ask the right questions. You can read blogs out there. You can try to get an idea of them. But please, by all means, make a phone call, schedule a meeting, and meet the person in person yeah. and see them face-to-face, eye-to-eye, and have that conversation and see if you get the same feeling yeah. that you were getting from what they're presenting as themselves online. I totally agree with you. I mean, I just love... I tell everyone, like, they send me these long emails and texts, and I'm just like, call me. Just, yeah, just call me. Let's have a conversation. And I get a good vibe within a minute or 30 seconds of, like, are they someone that I want to work with? And I definitely know that they feel the same way. You know, you can tell a lot even just on a like, phone call, just how someone's speaking and, like, how educated they are, how they articulate, if, if you're going to be able to get along. Because, like, I mean, listen, we want to have some fun. We want to, like, enjoy the journey. Like, these are big decisions you want to make it as enjoyable as possible, but you want to work with really good and knowledgeable people. And then if you can back that up, uh, or sorry, take it another step further and meet them in person, uh, especially even in this, this crazy world we've lived in for the last 18 months, like we all went digital, like Zoom became annoying. I was like craving to meet people, you know, <laughs> grab a beer. Like, I say I was at the Leaf game last night. I know, I know. It was funny. It's just even, I was coming here and I got an email from somebody that wants to come on the show and they presented some ideas about being on the show. And I said, sure. Then I saw the signature and it said Fort Lauderdale. And I was like, you know what? I got no problem you coming on the show. You got to travel because I've been doing the shows just in person because you get a different conversation. Totally agree. Like we could yeah. have done this like no. any other way. Yeah. If we did it the other way, I think it, we're not going to get to. I mean, we've got a lot to still talk about. I want to do one thing. Yeah. That's a Coke, by the way. Love it. Love it. <laughs> I want to talk about Scott. Yeah. Take the 25 year old trades person. Mm-hmm. Are they too young? Are they too old? Are they too late to purchase that first house? I mean, it all depends, right? I mean, there's very t- mature 25-year-olds and there's very immature 25-year-olds and everyone's got... In all fairness, yeah. there's the same for 35s, 45s, 55s, totally, 55s, totally. 75s. Listen, I, yeah, I get it, trust me. And I've, I've matured a lot from when yeah. I was 25, right? But, but I think that there's not... I don't like putting age around when to make decisions. I just like to put like maturity around it. I think that there's a certain responsibility when you're doing... You know, big purchases. Yeah. That age group is yeah. scared shitless totally. to make this purchase. Totally. Yeah. And I, I love that demographic. And people think I don't because I get this vibe or this reputation because I've been involved in some really big transactions that I, I tend to do more like in the luxury real estate space. And I tend to actually lose 
some business from this younger demographic, even though I'm, I can relate to them really well. They're some of my favorite people to talk to because it's a really different conversation where I become the educator. A lot of my clients are significantly older than me, have really strong educational backgrounds that probably supersedes mine to a degree, even though I'm experienced, because um, they've got life skills that I don't have yet. Like I'm still, I'm still growing. But when I talk to a 25 year old or 26 year old, or called sub sub 30, sub 35, I feel like I just add so much value and I just want to like mold them and help them and, and like take them through the journey because I know the pitfalls and I know how they can succeed if they do it properly and get the right team around them. So I don't really tie to age. I just tie to, to maturity and, and being prepared. But I, I love that demographic, but you're right. It's a scary demographic to be in, in a really complicated real estate world right now. It is. So, I mean, what would you give them as advice to, to get started? So let's say they want to pull it. And I bring it up because I got a good trade friend of mine yeah. just made his first purchase and it's a big ticket item. It's, it's, it's like seven figures, man. And, and he's got a house that's 60 years old and it hasn't been renovated. And so he's looking at it like, sure, I've got all these skill sets. I've got all these friends that can help me out, but now I'm carrying this debt. Yeah. So he's scared, but he, he has been, he's been trying to get people around him that could support him and help yeah. him. So then he doesn't get as nervous about it. Yeah. So where do we begin with these guys? I think education, right? Okay. Just education to me, if, if you have the education and you understand what you're getting into, I mean, we're all gonna make mistakes. Like I make mistakes in real estate and, and so does everybody else. But if you make mistakes with a lot of educated education behind it and a lot of professionals and people supporting you, the mistakes are going to happen, but they're, they're nullified a little bit, right? And so, in a circumstance like that, like I'm, I'm not against it. I love, I love getting into a home ownership position. I love the equity. I love that if you've got some skills that you can create value. Like I love homes that need work. Like I love it. There's so much cookie cutter, vanilla, crappy product that you probably see out there. Yeah. And like I, mansions. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, and I love the old stuff. Like I love character. I love uh, what people are doing renovations. And I like just people that are, and you know this better than I do, but just like using their, their hands to create value is such a raw, unique ability that I, I respect. And I'm not that guy. Um, but you appreciate it. I love I love it. And I think that you can do well because I think it's a skill set that not everybody has. It puts you in a position to take advantage of opportunities that other people aren't willing to do because they've got kids in school, they've got family living with them, they don't have the time. So I, I really, really love people that have trades and can add value to property. And I like being an equity over, over rent for sure so it just really comes down to just getting a little bit of edge you just gotta educate be prepared and then you still gotta go for it right you still gotta you just gotta take the chance it's like we've yeah. we talked just before mike started there's no good time it doesn't matter you can't wait for 2022 or 2023 you just have to begin you got it that's but all you, it is you gotta get in it i guess i say that but i'm not saying that because like our business obviously is based off lending capital so like it's exciting when people want to borrow money, but you got to do it responsibly. We're fortunate that we have a lot of customers, and so we kind of get to pick and choose who we work with, just like they get to pick and choose if we're the right fit for them. And we want it to be done responsibly because if you do it right, even though there's an advantage to, advantage to us lending money, if you do it right, we build lifelong customers, and ideally, we're picking up some really good friends along the way too. 
at the end of the day, the most important. It makes thing a lot of sense because if you got a 25 year old, for argument's sake, oh, yeah. they'll purchase their first house. It may not. It, there's no odds are it's not their forever home. Yeah. So they're going to make another purchase yeah. maybe in their early 30s when they've met that significant other. They start building a family. Then they're going to have another house. So then they're going to want to call you. They they want that that circle of people that really are going to help them you out. Got, you got it. The I other biggest that. hurdle with these this this key group is that. In construction, everybody tries to keep their tax bracket as low as possible. Mm -hmm. They try to hide legally money, mm -hmm. but they're basically shooting themselves in the foot because yeah. now you're taking a person that doesn't look great on paper. Yeah. And that makes it more difficult for you yeah. to find that lending sources, right? It's hard. Like business for self is the trickiest demographic of of kind of like it's the hardest area you could put yourself in from a lending perspective depending upon how you're filing your taxes you know if you file what you make then it's usually pretty simple but but nobody does <laughs> right like i mean no one does and, and that's okay like that's one of our niches like that's an area that, that we specialize in if i was to say what are like three things you do really good you know we've talked about like construction is one from a financing perspective we do a really good job at and business for self is something else we do a great job at and then we do these ultra luxurious properties that have a lot of complicated pieces to them what exactly are those alternative luxury what what is so, that so okay it's just like when you get involved in financing luxury real estate, which is a lot of across Canada, you know, it becomes complicated. Some of it involves construction. Like if you picture during COVID for people that weren't impacted financially, there's a huge urban to sub suburban, but even further, like they went rural and they went to like cottage country around here, Lake Abays, Muskoka, you know, we were financing people that were building on islands, like really, really cool projects where you know we had appraisals being done in the winter with snowmobiles going <laughs> across frozen land oh wow helicopters going in like some really really cool stuff and so there's just a certain uniqueness to understanding how to structure financing for really complicated assets right and there's private bankers and, and there's different facilities in the marketplace to support that we just happen to have a, a, a pretty good gauge on how to handle that business through experience and that's the same as business for self if you if you're business for self and you need a mortgage talk to someone that finances for people that business for self because yeah. there are programs and it's not there's nothing illegal. There's nothing non-compliant. You don't need someone to make up a letter for you. Like that's not how you do business. There are programs, really good programs in Canada that allow you to file, you know, minimum income and still qualify for mortgages, but you need assistance and it, and you got to work with someone that can, I don't want to say massage it, but can just help educate you on how to get your documents in order and how to prepare yourself to truly illustrate who you are as a customer. And that's what I find business for self people just do incorrectly it's not that part of it is they're not following all their income that's yeah not, but the other part is they're just not always organized or they can't articulate why they do something and that's not their fault it's not their specialty like if you're you know in construction you might not know anything about how to put together a, a mortgage for a property yeah. and so you don't know how to present yourself appropriately and if you don't, it's declined. It's a really easy decline. And that's where you guys come in. We come in. And you see that. And I'm just assuming that in Canada and the U.S., a large portion of the population is self-business, isn't it? Tons. So I guess the the lawmakers of the government, they actually are aware of this and they try to make these rules to kind of fit that situ situation? My theory, which means nothing, to be honest with you, but my, <laughs> my theory is, I mean, I don't think government bodies like the idea of people not paying taxes in an easy way 
to make an adjustment is to put some pressure on the big financial institutions to say, hey, you can't be putting out programs that allow for someone that's not filing taxes to qualify for a similar mortgage to somebody that is paying their taxes. Yeah. That's my that's my theory. It doesn't mean it's right, but Lenders are in the business of making money. They want to get deals done. And to your point, we have a huge demographic of clients that are business for self, self-employed, and they really keep this economy going. They're, they're really, really important in terms of uh, how our economy grows and innovation and technology and, and generation of new jobs. And I'm a huge supporter of it. So I really got involved in, in that community and figured out some creative ways to help them get mortgages. And there's a lot of lenders that want to support them. It just takes more time to navigate. And that's why, again, it comes back to the education component, the communication and surrounding yourself with the right people. Is that why you started your business? Like you started seeing that there was some opportunity pockets, so to speak? I really got into it because I was playing hockey, like in the East Coast, Nova Scotia. And I, came, <laughs> I came home and didn't know what I was going to do. Okay. And I was competitive, right? I'm like, I want to make a buck like everybody. And I needed like something I could compete against my peers with. So, and I loved real estate, but I, I couldn't get be a real estate agent. Like I just, <laughs> it's not my jam, right? So, so I found, my mom actually was at a conference, like, you didn't ask me this, but I'm sharing it anyways. My mom was at a <laughs> conference and she saw a bunch of young men and women, probably, you know, the mid twenties, early thirties that she thought from her opinion, like look like they're having fun, they're making money. And she kind of just told me about this industry that I didn't knew nothing about, right? Like I was playing hockey. And so I went on, I think at the time it was still LinkedIn and I found someone I knew in the industry. I reached out to them. They told me about it. I'm like, man, this is my jam. Like I, <laughs> I love real estate. I got a good business degree from school. Fortunately, I played sports, but I was one of those guys that got my education at the same time. And I got into lending, but I did get into the segments that I'm in because of opportunities that I saw and problems that existed, right? And a big part of that were clients that were business for self. And so after I got in and realized that I could compete with all these other people in terms of like volume and commission and just things that kind of naturally got me excited, like playing sports, I then gravitated towards, okay, how can I make a bit of a difference? Like how can I help people and then my whole maturation process evolved and I wanted to give back to the community I live in. You know, I want to work with more people that need support and, and, and it changed like everybody. I want to talk about some um, red flags because yeah. I have another tradesperson, a friend, and they just bought something too. And all of a sudden they were doing the whole check yeah. and they came across something from about 10 years ago was an unpaid bill for like a hundred and something dollars. Mm -hmm. And it was still on the record. So I'm just trying to figure out what kind of red flags can tradespeople avoid? Yeah, I mean, credit uh, is definitely something you're going to need. It's one of the major components. Obviously, income and credit are the two big ones when you want to get a mortgage. So, you know, one of the things you can do, we offer it as a brokerage, is we provide free credit reporting. Like, we work with, you know, the major... Uh, credit bureau agencies. What are the myths? Are the myths still true about someone says, don't check your credit report because it's going to affect your credit report? It's so annoying. Is like, that bull or it's, what? It's pretty bull. I okay. mean, like, like credit, I'm not an expert on, on the underlying principles of how it's all derived, but when you think about it, it's, it's based on from when you got your original credit, which for a lot of people we're dealing with has been many, many years, how they've repaid that credit, the utilization, and then naturally these polls that are doing, like they can impact it by a, a small percentage, but it's not enough to make a difference. And so I find that people 
are reluctant to pull it or monitor it when the monitoring doesn't even impact their credit. And what they do, which is what a lot of people do, is they just kind of put it under the pillow and they don't look at it. And then 10 years later, they're screwed. But then you go to you, like someone goes to you, yeah. and you guys, regardless, that, that Band-Aid's going to get pulled off. It's like, we're going to find it. It's it's there. Like, if you got a U.S. credit bureau, we pull it. If you got bad credit in Canada, we, we find you it. You pull it. The best thing you can do if you're planning to buy a home with regards to the aspect of credit is pull your credit report. Like, don't be afraid. Pull it. If you think you're someone that's had some issues, get it monitored track it and just be responsible. And if you don't know how to do these things, we work with a few companies that we provide complimentary services to help you. And we do that as like gifting sometimes. Like, okay. you know, I love to give my clients like a bottle of wine or a drink, right? But like, I'm, <laughs> like it's kind of natural too to be like, hey, this is something. That's I'd rather take that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, do you want a bottle of wine, right? Or do you want something that can like really impact your ability to purchase real estate on an ongoing basis? If you kill your credit, it's hard to correct. You can do it, but it takes time. It's easier to make more money that it is in a way to clean up your credit. It's true. You know, it's true. But so. also that time is something that you don't have. Yeah. If you are pulling the trigger, looking for a property and you found something yeah. and then all of a sudden it's going to take some time to clear that. And, and that's going to hurt you. And you pay for it financially. Like it doesn't mean you can't do a deal. Like there are, are scenarios where you can't get a deal done because of credit. We could get a lot of those deals done, but now you're paying a premium. So you're not paying 2%, you're paying 4%. Now your cash flow's changed, right? You financially, made a, a dramatic negative impact, you know, on your overall financial picture and your family's picture and you're impacting the people around you, right? Like your, your family, because you're taking away capital and cash flow that you could be providing because of like very simple mistakes. And like people make mistakes and credit issues happen. It's, that's fine. But like just be mature and understand the importance of credit. And if you don't, and you and you want to talk to someone, talk to them. It doesn't have to be us, but talk to them and then plan. Like just Get ahead. If you want to buy a home in the next five years, start now. Start, start now, yeah. man. Yeah, for sure. But don't start a week before. No. You know? But And then find that. Find those skeletons. If there are any skeletons, find it. The skeletons are great. Find them as quick as possible. They're not great, but if you have them, find them. Find them and yeah. then bury them. Because we, we, we'll, <laughs> solve, yeah, like we'll solve it. If you say this is our issue and you give us leeway, like lead, lead time, I should say, We'll solve it. Like we can help you, but you give us a week, and you know you barely can. Your it's it's a pain. Yeah. So what else are you looking for for a client when they come to you and they're ready? What should they already have in their knapsack of stuff that they're gonna give to you? So I mean, if if we can reach someone early enough, we'll provide them with a bit of a cheat sheet. Or like this is what you got to do. Like okay, this perfect. is what you want to get get together. If you haven't talked to us early on, and we want to give you the cheat sheet, it's it's like very basic things in terms of getting organized. It's it's like, do you know your credit, right? Like we ask them this when we do like a screening call because. People don't realize, like, we don't want to work with everyone. You want business, but when you do business, it doesn't make sense. It's, you spin your tires and you waste your time. And you're not being efficient and you're not being you're not being profitable. And, you know, we're all running a business here at the end of the day. So I think that what people need to do is, like, understand your credit. Understand how you're following your income. Like, are you salaried? Are you business for self? Like, do you have the documentation? And I think from income, the biggest thing is, like, where is your paperwork? You'd be amazed when people buy homes. We ask for something. And they're like, well, I got to talk to my accountant. Well, the accountant's on vacation. It's your cousins, friends, sisters, kids. You know, when are you going to get that? I just want to let everybody know every document you get from any kind of process that you've done make a duplicate yeah. and set it up in a separate file and put it someplace in your home that you know where it is. You've got documentation and, and being prepared. It's not complicated things. Like you need income. You need to understand where your credit's at. You need to be able to back that up. You need to understand uh, down payment. Like what is it? 
where is it coming from? And again, providing the, the, the documentation. So realistically, what we're looking for is down payment, income, credit, and, the, and whatever you're telling us, how are you going to back it up? And if you talk to us early enough, we'll tell you how and where to find those documents or there's some technology and programs we use to help get that, right? Like the world's changing. We can help access bank accounts. We can help access credit reports easily. We can help you access uh, tax returns and documents. But those are the three main ones. Like that is the general requirement for like everybody. Naturally, it gets a lot more complicated Like if you want to build a home. Now we're talking about plans and where we're at from an approval and permit perspective and who's your builder and what's their background and appraisals are a big part of the business as well you can't help me with the appraisal yeah. it's my job to coordinate that but there's a whole bunch of other events that happen depending upon your demographic and what you're trying to accomplish so building a home renovating a home purchasing a home refinancing you know a big one is just renewals like people get a renewal letter from their bank and they just sign it they're like well it's a renewal and i'm like man you're missing a huge opportunity to like if investigate you picture, that right yeah, like you put all that time into investigating this when you bought a home and then the renewal comes and you're like well i'm busy i'm just going to sign this document that's the worst thing they can do yeah like you might be leaving a percentage on the table one percent times five hundred thousand is five grand times five years 25 grand it's a lot of money and there's compounding effects and and all kinds of different things that can happen so i just tell people renewals pay attention to them refinancing like shop around because again that's another opportunity to really make a big financial uh, impact in your life by working with the right lender and getting the great terms obviously on the purchase there's a little bit more from an educational perspective in terms of what you got to prepare for surrounding yourself with the right team and getting your documents organized and then as soon as you get into anything these business for self recreational property anything that just doesn't feel like you're buying your principal residence you know what about businesses because i mean i, I want to talk about two major things one would be the other flip side yeah. so you've got a tradesperson that's on their way out mm -hmm. not you know like not out buried or mm -hmm. just they're retiring and so maybe they're downsizing but i also want to talk about in that middle in between point where you've got professionals that may want to use their property as equity yeah. to maybe buy or expand or build their business further yeah. or maybe even use that to buy that luxury alternative totally i mean all this stuff it just comes down to planning right like if you're on your way way out of the market like if you're older and it's actually a, a pretty big problem where Canadians are building up all this equity in their home. They don't think about whether they want access to it. And it's not liquid if you don't sell it or you don't put some sort of credit facility on it. Their income might be going down or they might be getting into the retirement years. And it's not as easy to qualify for what they would have qualified for in those previous years. And so it all comes down to planning where you could have built up your life savings and equity in a home you've lived in for a long time. And now is your opportunity to determine, okay, do I want to access some of that equity? Am I going to sell this property? Do I want to buy another property? Do I want to gift my children you know, money to help them buy their first property? There's a lot of different reasons you want to access capital in your home. And so wherever you're at in your life stage, it's just being prepared and talking to someone and understanding what options are available. You know, like if you want to increase your real estate portfolio and have 10 properties, that's fine. But how are you going to get there? And what do we need to do to help you get there? And how are we going to do 
it responsibly and efficiently and make sure that it's it's profitable for you or that you're protected because we talked about like that might not be the best strategy. I mean, I love working with, with everyone in, in trades. I kind of put a lot of them in the business for self category. I'm sure not everyone's business for self, yeah. but a lot are. And I just think that they can use a little bit of support in terms of just like, this is how I get paid. This is kind of who I am. These are my goals. Just like you're talking to a financial planner or or someone else that might be giving you some some advice on insurance or planning bringing your, your broker, in my case, or, or whoever's helping with the mortgage, bring them into the conversation. And because a lot of the time, we're the ones helping you know, access this equity. So I love when someone has other professionals around them. And I say, introduce me, like, like get me involved with the accountant, the lawyer, the realtor, the family, the friend, I don't care, like let us know, tell us what you want to achieve, Give us some time to think about how we can help you get there, and then we'll put together a proposal. And so that's the best way to kind of move forward into that direction, kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's tough to know where. But you're a lot going. of this stuff you don't even know, like as, as yeah. just a, not just gen, general tradespeople. Yeah. I mean, they didn't they didn't realize you could do that. The problem is that you're yeah. dealing with a, a segment of the population that doesn't like paper, man. Yeah, totally. That's just yeah. a problem. Like yeah. they're great with their hands and they love building things and they're proud about that. But yeah. the thing is then you start showing them the paper yeah. and they're there in the headlights. Yeah. But I know that there's a lot of opportunity that yeah. they're probably missing on the table. I think they're missing a lot of opportunity. And so I find you know, what I try to do is like back to the approach of just meeting up with people is I'm like, listen, first off, like, I try to find out if they have someone in their life that's a bit more organized than that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 do you have an accountant? A lot of people don't. Like, they don't have like an accountant they work with all the time. But it's like, do you have an accountant? Because if you do, just connect me with that. Is it your partner that's more organized? Like, connect me with them. Is it your daughter? Is it your like? I don't care who it is. But if I can find that person that can create some structure to help us facilitate, that's what I'm looking for is step one. If they can't, and then we got to work together, a lot of time I'll say, okay, like, listen, I'm going to tell you what I need, put it together, and let's meet. Like, let's go grab a coffee, let's get together face-to-face -face because I find that that's more impactful and I can kind of help illustrate what I need because, to your point, they're not necessarily the most organized with paper and then it becomes tough to do over the phone everyone's busy so it's like if we can carve out a little bit of time and meet up and just go through it together i think that i mean it builds the relationship which i also like but it also just helps kind of personalize the approach and, and maybe show this is why we need this and you get a little bit more attention right like i find when i work with some of the trades buzzsaw yeah, you know yeah, yeah. hammer nails yeah. they give me five minutes they didn't write anything down naturally. Like hopefully they're not yeah. killing themselves because of this phone call yeah. hanging off the side of a house somewhere. I don't think they got that. And then nothing ends up happening. And that's at a detriment a lot of time to them because they sign that renewal without shopping it. They don't know about services that are available and they don't plan for the future. I guess it's really important for tradespeople in general. You got to sit down and figure out what exactly do you want to do? Mm -hmm. I know that, I mean, there's been a few shows recently where I was talking to some of the younger tradespeople and they're like, I don't want to be doing this at 65. I don't want yeah. to be doing it at that older age. I want to try to get out of it and, and enjoy life and maybe be, you know, 45, 55. Yeah. They should sit down first before coming to a person like yourself. Yeah. What do I actually want to do? Do I want to pay off this house? Do I want to buy another house? Do I want to buy that second property as a getaway? Do I want to go live in another country? I guess they have to decide on what they want to do. I tell it to everyone. Like I get calls all day, every day, and people have these amazing visions, but they don't really, they haven't defined it yet. And so I tell them, I'm like, you need to define 
like what's important to you and like what you're are they sharing it verbally only and they've never written it down they've never committed to it yeah like a lot of the time it's just a, like a quick phone call and they kind of give me the Cole's notes of what they're thinking but they haven't really thought it through and I kind of help guide them because I, I like the idea of giving them a few pieces of information that I just I just have learned through years of experience in terms of how to help like focus their attention because they don't know like they, they have this idea but it's maybe really unrealistic or maybe it's not even feasible or maybe it's amazing but they just need some a push in the right direction so I love those calls I, and then I kind of let them go do the homework right like really think about what you're passionate about like what your relationship with real estate and lending is going to look like and how it's going to impact your life from a personal level business level family level and then tell us that and then from there we can get into paperwork and we can get into like how do we actually implement the strategy but it's tough to implement if we don't have a clear vision i've always said that i mean they're so good at building in their mind, they've written it down and they know how to do it. Yeah. But when it comes to any other detail in life, they don't do that. They don't treat it the exact same way. Yeah, you got to give it a little bit of time, a little bit of love. I mean, it's uh, I love real estate. It can be so financially rewarding. It's it's not just financially rewarding, but it's a place where you know you can watch your family grow. You have all these interactions. I mean, it's it's a really really amazing part of your life when you think about like what real estate means to you and it means different things some people it's pure wealth generation other people it's it's about like having food at the dinner table and for other people it's shelter right it's just like basic basic needs that not everybody has so there's a huge spectrum in terms of what real estate can do and how it can impact you in positive and negative ways unfortunately and so you just gotta just like anything just put a little bit of time into it work with good people i want to ask uh i guess it's an interesting taboo question because mm-hmm. i guess a lot of people don't want to talk about this but i do know my fair share of divorce people yeah how does a tradesperson or a person in general prepare for that falling apart kind of thing you've yeah. got two people one property yeah. maybe you've got that second property whatever like what how do we tackle that how do we yeah, handle I mean, that it's a tough it's a tough one like we come at all those situations like we deal with a lot of like these life events yeah. well this like, is life like people yeah. go through this like yeah. i'm sorry it's 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 a love movie yeah. at first and all yeah. of a sudden it's not a love movie it's a totally. something else so things happen yeah so so for us it's just finding out where they are in the cycle when it comes to like separations and, and divorces right like there's the there's like the human component in terms of just like where they at like emotionally and mentally and like are they making clear, concise decisions with regards to what they want to do real estate wise? And then there's like the legal side of it, right? And and the legal side of it is what guides a lot of the lending decisions. Is there paperwork in place? Where is the paperwork? You know, is there support payments going one way? Because a lot of these decisions can really impact how we lend money from an underwriting perspective. So we've got to deal with the human side of it, obviously, first and foremost, to make sure like we understand where they're at and, and they're, they're making good decisions. And then we need to figure out where they're at from a paperwork perspective. And again, a lot of the time I try, if I can, to get involved with like a lawyer or whoever is helping. Because with of information. Information. I just okay. need, because I need information that, that, people don't think about they don't think about where we are in the process and who's going to owe what or is it finalized and there's a lot of of, again really good lenders that support all these different life events like whether your business for self whether you've filed for bankruptcy or had a credit proposal credit consumer proposal Proposal, if you've had a separation or divorce like there are solutions like fortunately and unfortunately enough of this stuff has happened like there's a, a lot of shit out there 
and we've dealt with it all. People, so you're not unique. You're not someone that's no, new coming in. No. You're not the first one. It's all good. It's all good. Like people, <laughs> I like these are you know all these problems are are, are ironically fun situations because we deal with so much vanilla, boring like. You bought a home and you need a mortgage. I mean, it's not... That it's cool. nice to see, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, you're like, hey, like, <laughs> people are normal. Like, other people have their bad days too, right? So so those things are kind of like fun, as bad as it says to dive into because it makes me think, it makes me work a bit harder. Like, how do we help out? Because they are unique scenarios and you don't deal with them every day. And so you just got to kind of, you know, humanize yourself, provide some good emotional support sometimes, which, you know, different people are better at than others. And then... Think about how you can get the deal done and, and support your customers. So there's still ways. So even if someone is declared bankruptcy, everyone, yeah. someone's gone through a proposal. Yeah. Some, uh, does your credit change if you get divorced? No, no uh, not necessarily. It, it does change a lot of the time because, like, well, this is just personal yeah. experience, not divorce. Yeah, <laughs> my wife's the best, right? <laughs> she listens to this. She's like, "You better say I'm the best." But, uh, it changes when people stop paying their credit. Yes. So the same reason why it changes for for. So even else. if you split an asset yeah. and you both go your yeah. own ways. As long as you keep on paying your bills, your credit's fine. Yeah, you're good. What ends up happening, though, is like someone jacks up the credit card that's joined. The other person's like, I'm the one that pays that, but I'm not paying it because you bought this. Now your credit is affected. And now your credit's affected. And so it's like you're kind of hurting both of yes. each other, which is what happens in these circumstances. But it's kind of like a lot of the points we talked about. It's like through skeletons. It's like rip off the Band-Aid, deal with it bring in professionals and just get in front of it because the longer these things, the longer they go on, the bigger the problems become. Let's get into business now. Yeah. I want to try to figure out, you guys also help businesses grow their business. Sure. So you'll find third-party lenders. Is that the idea? or like Define that a little bit for me. Like uh, uh, I don't know. Like If someone wants to expand or they, they want to start getting into some commercial real estate maybe because yeah. that's a different animal. Like yeah, I yeah. know that a lot of people get into residential real estate yeah. and they can turn it into a, a duplex, triplex or sure. whatever and then yeah. start renting it out and you have that uh, real estate portfolio. But maybe they want to get into commercial at that mm -hmm. point and maybe they want to use the first floor as a storefront and yeah. so they got into that. You guys get involved in all that yeah, kind of like, stuff. So, so my background is, is certainly more residential focused or that's what it was traditionally and as I'm again going through these changes in my life and as I'm maturing I'm finding different areas that excite me now like differently than, than what excited me 10 years ago that's, that's called age Scott it's just age I'm getting old man <laughs> it's called age I'm man. getting old and so so like we I'm way more engaged now for example in commercial lending and alternative lending than I would have been in 5-6 years ago and that's just a maturation process and an experience process and like I mentioned before we've got these different business verticals and I've got professionals that like live breathe and die that specific business. So if we're getting into complicated commercial developments, or it could be something as simple as, you know, storefront retail, two apartments up top, that's a, an asset class that you want to invest in as a family. We can do all that and we bring in a partner who, who specializes in that category. What we're doing behind the scenes, like a big part of our job that people don't see is the plumbing like how do you how do you have all these lenders and relationships and and service providers and that just takes time and what separates a really good broker or brokerage from another is access like having access to lots of different lenders lots of different programs like we can solve these issues we've been talking about from divorces to commercial real estate to you know someone that has this business for self or salaried 
these things all have solutions, but you need to have access. So we spend a lot of our time behind the scenes on professional development, understanding government changes, policy changes, lender changes, and then forging new relationships where someone says, hey, Scott, by the way, we're really good at this. And it's like that. It could be equipment leasing. You got a, a business that has a, a lot of uh, overhead in terms of equipment, and they didn't realize they could finance 100% of the equipment. Boom, now they can get... So there's all these options that we're not even aware of. Yeah, and that's why I just think that it all goes back to asking questions. And just if you think you're going to be doing something real estate oriented, just to be like, hey, I'm doing this. Is there anything... It's like filing your taxes. Yeah. You kind of go to your accountant and you're like, can I write this off? He's like, no, Scott, you can't rate that off. I'm like, come on. And he's like, Scott, can't rate that off. Like, that's our, that's my April conversation every year, right? But it's like that. I'm like, well, what can I do to like save money? It's the same thing, but in a different capacity where you're like, okay, I'm going to be involved in real estate. What do I need to know to benefit from this transaction? And that's where mortgage broker, real estate professional, lawyer, anyone that's in that professional capacity gives you that advice. What percentage do you think we don't know we have access to? Like, are we just, I guess, like, what you talk about how humans only use a certain percentage of their brain when we, like, it's a single digit number or something. But, I mean, do we know 10% of what we have access to? I'm just, because we're regular Joes, regular Joes out here. I I doubt it, because I think that, like, the regular Joe, right, as an example, thinks about buying a home and getting a mortgage. I yes, think and that's I think, it. That's yeah, the that's, extent of it. And that's probably like, you know, I mean, that's a big part of what the, the market is, is, is buying homes and getting mortgages. But, you know, there's that other, yeah, maybe it's 90% that people are like, well, there's a renewal, there's refinancing, there's reverse mortgages, there's private lending, there's uh, renovation loans, there's construction loans, there's recreational properties, there's deals when you're getting, well, not deals, but mortgages when you're getting divorced or separated, equipment financing, commercial financing. Holy, there's a lot, like, huh? Man, like I don't even know it all. Like, you know, like, I learn, I try to stay ahead of the game. Like I, I got to focus on professional development like everyone else. It's good to know this because yeah. now you have options on what you want to do. Yeah. And then you can figure out your life beyond just buying a house and getting a mortgage. Yeah, like I just want people to like know what options are out there. And even if you don't, then just know who to ask. And I think like if you're listening to like this podcast, it's just like, oh, there might be something out there for me. And just make sure you ask, right? If you ask, the worst that's going to happen is... It's the fear, though. You yeah. get a lot of young tradespeople that are just scared. Yeah. Because, I mean, can you imagine being their age? I mean, you're just a little bit older than them. But when I was their age, I wasn't thinking about purchasing a million-dollar house. Well, you know what changed, too? People, for the longest time, just walked into a bank, right? And, like, you had suits. You maybe felt like it, it was a big institution and maybe you weren't treated fair. Like, I think there was a lot of, like, stigma around how how you used to get money, how you borrowed money. It was a different process than it is today. Now, mortgage brokering, for example, has a, has a massive market share in terms of the services that we're providing versus just going into like your traditional bank and getting a mortgage. We still work with all the banks, so a lot of the banks and a lot of different lenders, credit unions, monoline lenders, trust companies. There's online, you can get a mortgage online. You know, you can do your whole process A to Z. Online. Without meeting someone, without even talking to someone. That's scary, I find yeah. that a little scary. I find it scary too. I'd rather meet somebody in person. 100%. And, yeah. I mean, if you're boring, like I agree with you on that one. You know, there's some checks and balances in place and people feel comfortable, but the point is that there's something for everybody now, but there wasn't 10 years ago, I don't think. And so if you're a young trades pro, like I'm in a t-shirt and a baseball cap 
and could pro I'm probably pretty relatable. I spend a lot of time visiting homes that we're financing that are at various stages of construction. And, you know, I kind of get into the whole mode, you know, I'm like talking to the, to the crew and we're, you know, we're just chatting. I'm, I'm amazed. Like I've got no skills when it comes to building. <laughs> My wife goes, she goes, uh, I told her I was doing like this podcast and she's like, it's construction. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, what are you going to talk about? <laughs> and I'm like, like, you know, I got like a hammer. Paying for it. I got, I got, I got like a hammer at home, you know? She's like, you're in trouble if they start asking. No, no, no. <laughs> I, this show has been more about like it's the construction life to begin with. So you got it. us buying a house and us speaking to people yeah. like you. And and, and, and I, I love seeing anybody in construction, anybody yeah. in general, having those aspirations to like, I want to get a cottage. Yeah. I want to get another totally. property. I want. So the thing is, how do I do that? Yeah. I, I like a, They're happy with coming into the industry, making X amount of money, and then all of a sudden next year making that much money. But then they're going to be making so much money that they can't spend it on their extracurricular activities yeah. and they're gonna be like realizing holy shit I, i'm gonna start saving money now yeah. so where do i want to put that money yeah that's and, where you come in and I, and I love like with trades too like i think that people that work in real estate and they they touch real estate have a bit of a, a different appreciation for it and i think they realize that it can be when handled responsibly a really good asset class it's it's something that people are comfortable with if you're in the business you can kind of understand it that's why i think canadians are so fascinated with making wealth or creating wealth through real estate it's because it's something you can physically like touch and feel and you can see it and you can the, the information is very publicly aware of like what your neighbor sold for and everything like that where i think a lot of other asset classes are a lot more complicated and i think there's been a lot of like hidden fees and secrecy and stuff that a lot of canadians don't trust as much and so especially someone in trades i think Real estate's a really synergetic business to, to what they're doing. Totally, 100%. Yeah. I know off mic before we got started, and I've been of this mindset as well, I totally agree with you that there's no sense in flipping these days. Yeah, it's hard. Like, it's just difficult to have any kind of profit margin on, on, on flipping these days. And that's yeah. why I think a lot of people are, they're purchasing, renovating, yeah. and renting, yeah. hanging on to the property. Yeah, like rental, we saw, how do I even, I don't even know where to go here, but we... We did a lot of speculative builds. So something we were really good at because we had a, a commercial focus in terms of lending was we worked with like very small builders that were doing one or two flips a year. Maybe but they one. were they were building a home to a certain stage yeah. and then finding a buyer. And then finding it, correct. Yeah. And we would finance that. And that's a tricky asset to finance. But again, like in our, our uh, skill set, and we did a lot of that. And then I would say in the last 24 months and the last 12 months, it's almost disappeared. It's not. Oh, really? Yeah. And I just think, I mean, you know, like this was a, a weird year in terms of like costing, not just like material, obviously. The numbers just yeah. didn't. Yeah. I, I think land is expensive. And I'm seeing other people now, or those same people are shifting their focus on like rentals. I think people are looking at more of like a buy and hold strategy, right? And trying to gain the appreciation of the asset while having cash flow to pay the debt, which is which is pretty nice, right? If you can own an asset, you just break even, have no expenses and build up equity and pay down the debt. Like that's a really nice way to accumulate net worth. And then we're- That's your minimum goal, right? Minimum, yeah. Ideally, you want to be a little higher than that. Yeah, like, I mean, it's amazing when you get to a point where you've got positive cash flow. We, we see negative cash flow too, and that's that's fine to a degree, right? I mean, if you're, if you're using other people's money to create wealth, it's even just supporting it, even if not fully, it's still a great business to be in, right? So, so we see a lot of movement in the rental marketplace, and there's also just a need for, for real estate. So the rental market's hot because supply and demand issues. People 
people need people need homes. Uh, not everyone can afford one, and if you can't afford one, unfortunately, people that can afford one are buying them and they're yeah. renting them to you. Yeah. And so I kind of it's got a bad taste in my mouth in a way. Like from one perspective, I like it, and the other, I hate it. It's it's hard. You know? Did you see this during COVID, or did you see this just happening before COVID, or kind of kind of uh, just before COVID? But I think COVID highlighted the market because it created. Like broader spectrum. I felt everything was a little bit more compressed before, like in terms of the people that could afford homes and the people that couldn't afford homes and how much inventory there was. And now I find like there's a spread, like there's less inventory, there's more people that want to buy, there's people that have a little bit more wealth because they weren't impacted by COVID. And then there's people that have like lost a lot of wealth who have lost. So there's there's two bigger spectrums than what I've seen in the past. So that's just kind of new for us to see. And so you're just seeing uh, people that are able to get into real estate, changing their outlook a bit on how they want to hold ass, how they want to hold those assets, what they want to do. So the rental market's been really big, and the renovation market. I, I'm I'm super pro on uh, the rental market. I just think there's a lot of opportunity. I totally agree. And if you and if you now, can do it, like yeah. I, I can't do it. I got to pay you to do it, right? Yeah. So I. Oh, you could do it. Just watch some TV shows. Oh my god. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard what you guys think about some of these TV shows. No, don't put me in that crowd. Don't put me in that crowd, You're man. not in the crowd. But if you saw what I did, I, I, my wife asked me to hang a curtain in my an uh, Ikea, Ikea curtain or no, it was, it was like a, it just was a regular like, curtain. It was no, like the, actually not the curtain. It was actually like you know the. What the rod. The rod. There you oh, go. Yeah. I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> I, I finance homes being built. I don't know what a rod is called. And uh, it's like close to my, my, I've got a baby daughter close to her bed. And then she looked at that and this thing's like shaking. Like it's not going to stay. Got nervous. I don't even have two. Like I'm like, you know, hand putting it in. <laughs> and she's like, she took it down. She's like, we can't. Like could fall on her baby, right? And so we had someone else in our house that's in trades that was doing some work. And she was like, as a favor, could you please just do this? And as soon as I saw him like go to see the work that I did, I left the house. I'm like, he's gonna. And like, I, who, who did this? He's like, this guy is an idiot. So yeah, I totally I forgot where I was going oh, you, with like, that. Oh, like the renovation. You're saying it's still a good. Like we both agree it's a good. good it is. I, I totally it is. And I'm just trying to figure out. Like I, I saw that maybe four years ago. I yeah. started seeing that flipping wasn't working. And then with the like, you're right. The material cost this year yeah. and last year was just insane. So you can't do it. I was gonna ask you. Do you guys also handle outside of Canada? So we're licensed. We're, so what makes us unique is if you're a mortgage broker, you're typically licensed in the province that you operate in. So okay. we'd be licensed in Ontario. We have uh, a national license, which makes us unique. We can do business in any province or territory across Canada. So, you know, got a deal in BC, we could do it. And then we've got partner and relationships uh, if we need it. In the United States, we can't. Like, we're not licensed to do business. Um, no, I was thinking more like if you're going in somewhere warm or yeah, somewhere yeah. that wants to buy, you guys don't get into that world. No, we can't. We, we can. There's different. It's all about licensing rules and regulations. We can't do residential in the United States at all. We could do commercial. Ironically, it's I think way more complicated. That's interesting. Yeah, it's just different rules, and, and not that we do like we're not really exposed to the U.S. markets. My wife's American, so I I tried to get my license because I thought it'd be a nice benefit to help like Canadian. Both Canadians. sides, yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. I, I love it. But I'm not able to. So all you can really do is we've got some referral relationships, you know, some trusted partners that we vetted out. So if someone really wants a partner, we'll make an introduction. But uh, if not, we're, we're not involved. Where are most people buying these days? Where are the hot spots in, I guess you guys are focusing in Ontario, yeah. but I mean, outside of Toronto. Yeah. 
Oakville's hot or what else is hot? What's I mean, going? if I was to say like the hottest market that we saw in the last 12 months, it just would have been the increased in uh, cottage country. Cottage country. Yeah. Everybody's just going north. Yeah. And it's crazy to think about because, again, like it blows my mind at times. Like there's a lot of people impacted negatively this last year, like financially. But there's also a lot of people that weren't impacted at all. No. And I think you got like working from home and this like changed attitude where people feel like they've just reallocated their focus on where they want to spend their time and energy. And a lot of that, you know, when there was nowhere to go was in these recreational properties. I actually think that that market might be negatively impacted more than any other market because I think the prices skyrocketed. Like there's a huge uptick. And I'm not sure people realize, like I've had a cottage before and I got it at a pretty young age and, and I sold it. Uh, it burnt down actually. And then I built it and <laughs> I sold it. You were nowhere near it. Yeah. I was, it wasn't me. My wife, my wall, based on what I'm telling my wife. Well, there's a lot of work. It's a lot. There's a lot of work. And it's like maybe Collingwood and some of these places where you got ski hills is an exception, but all these places closed down. And I think that people get all like, the, it's all sexy and fun for four or five months. So that it's like, mortgage payment property taxes problems uh septic tanks wells water whatever you're doing municipal a couple years into it you're like oh like is this really what i thought it was and when people go back to work which you know i'm pretty convinced people are going to be going back to work in some degree you can't hang out there every day and what i found was you know i was like it was like i was staying at the four seasons every night for the amount of time I spent up at uh, my place, right? So I was like, I'm out. So it's time to just tap out and get out of it. And that was it. But now it's completely changed, I guess, because a lot of people are still going up there. Collingwood, you talk about Collingwood. There's a lot of people moving up there. Yeah, it's it's hot. That's a hot market. Like, I mean, everywhere that's recreational, we just, I mean, I don't know if it's just the type of clients that we have, because I mean, obviously everyone's exposed to different different people, but we just found that marketplace blew up. You know, we like I, we did, you know, a dozen deals on islands. Like I couldn't even name 12 small islands in Ontario. Islands make me nervous. I, I don't know. Is it just me? I islands get, make me nervous. I get super nervous. Like it's, I don't know, you just get stung and you're allergic to a bee and you got a boat across the water. Yeah, like just, you fall. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm a baby though. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably hardier, hardier men and women buying those properties. So. <laughs> Oh, I totally forget. I got to keep on giving out this. So we're talking to Scott here. So everybody, www.scottwestlake.com, uh, thewestlaketeam.com, Scott at thewestlaketeam.com. What else you want to chat about, man? I don't know. Like, what's on your mind? Go dig I, I just want to see more and more tradespeople going after their dreams. I want to. Yeah. We come from a different generation yeah. where my my dad was a bricklayer, and his whole mandate was: you buy a house, you raise a family. Period. Done. Yeah. That's it. But now you see tradespeople today and they want to buy that first house. They want to buy a rental property. They want to buy a business. They want to buy that luxury place. And it's just how do we do that without overextending ourselves? Yeah, and I I think part of it is so maybe you know, like, so when you're in trades, are you paid for the most? Like, I mean, I know there's the whole cash. Is that like the Oh, that's that's the reality. That's that's a fact. Okay. That's where the problem with the credit and looking at because when you submit your taxes to the tax man, they're not submitting the truth yeah, yeah, because they've been compensated with cash. And do you file like as business for self or do you file like salary or like, I guess that salary. It, like, it would be a salary. You're still, you're still filing a wage. Yeah. So you still have income. You have a business. You're paying yourself. Yeah. So you're an employee of yeah. business. Okay. So you're still doing that. But obviously for tax yeah. purposes, yeah. you're trying to keep those figures as low yeah, as possible. Yeah, totally. yeah. But then that's going to affect you down the road. 
but I, I guess there's ways like you were mentioning earlier in the show yeah, yeah. that there's lots of ways that you can get around that. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. All I mean, we could do that all day long. I mean, and there's a bunch of different strategies. It's kind of complicated. I don't think anyone wants me to dive into exactly how you do it now. It could be a long conversation, but I mean, no, that's it, something it, that someone yeah. can reach out but, to you but, but, and but talk yeah, to you. Yeah, for sure. I, and I totally agree with you. I like. I think real estate's been really good to me. It's been really good to a lot of our clients. And as as much as there is risk involved in in real estate, I'd like to see as many people that want to be in real estate or, or like achieve that dream. I mean, first and foremost, I want you know people to use it just you know for even like shelter. As crazy as that sounds, but just like have a place that you can call home. I think super important. And we're getting involved in a lot more initiatives to get back and and help from just like a, a very basic human element support people like be in real estate, right? But if you get past some of the emotion of what it truly means to own real estate and then you get into this like super sexy world of rentals and creating wealth and, and you start diving into that conversation yeah we want to be a part of the journey and help more people realize that we just want to do it responsibly and i think that it all comes down to planning and initiating these conversations and the sooner you do it the easier it is to plan for the future and i yep. think everyone yep. has the potential to get involved they just got to get organized I guess you get asked this all the time. Your, your wife probably asks you and everybody that you work with asks you and that you probably ask them, what's it going to be like, man, 10 years from now? Like, yeah. what are we what are we looking at? Is anybody projecting or is this just strictly we're throwing darts and we're just trying to figure it out? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. I think we're throwing darts a little bit. I mean, crystal ball is a tough one here. Like, there's a lot of misinformation, a lot of different perspectives even if you look at like some very notable economists to talk about like where rates are going to go you get a lot of conflicting information like you never have that this is what's happening Certain. moment yeah and so with that being said i think a lot of people have missed opportunities like friends of mine that have been renting properties for the last five years wanting to be in the equity market thinking there's going to be a crash there hasn't been a crash and you know they've missed out on on arguably some of the best years of asset appreciation within that that asset class because they were trying to like time the market right and so i think that instead of trying to worry too much about the good or bad future is just being prepared so that you can be opportunistic in yeah. either one of those marketplaces. Like you can take advantage of a downward market if you're smart and you've got liquidity. And I think the biggest point that I could stress is the liquidity because that's what I see is lacking. There's a lot of asset rich individuals and, and cash flow poor. And so I would just like to see that that shift. What's the ratio that you're always trying to look at? I don't know if we have a ratio. I just like to see people to be able to sustain a mortgage when for a life, period of. I'd like to see it for at least a year. A I'm year, right? At least. I mean, I, I think, I've been told like six to nine yeah. months. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. love. Like, yeah, like I think I think there's too much. Like, hey, one month. It's like no, like no, you know, come on, like six nine a year, and then I think that that also depends upon what other complementary products or services you're utilizing like you might have insurance that can help you from disability and or life obviously which are you know unfortunate circumstances that arise you can have different things to help complement your savings so depending upon where you're at it's it's a more holistic approach but i just think like you need to be able to sustain and we just saw it potentially a year or longer yeah. in a crazy economic downturn for some so i just like to see more liquidity because if you 
if you have the liquidity in a bad market, people don't think about like what happens. Uh, so when you have liquidity in a good market, what happens when you have liquidity in a bad market? Because there's a lot of people that were opportunistic, right? In this last year and a half. And so you could really set yourself up for success by just being smart, you know? And then if you're not prepared for it or you overextend yourself, you actually put yourself in a bad situation. Yeah, and other people are going to, you know, reap the rewards and you're going to be scrambling. And it's yeah. just, it's just planning. That's all it is, you know? Okay. All right. I don't know if I got any anything else. But no, man, I think it's been great. I think, yeah, especially you know, probably for a lot of a lot of people in the trades. Like I think hopefully this is like enlightening, right? Like, like get out there. There's some great opportunity, you know. Well, it's interesting because I mean, the demographic that listens to the show, the primary, I've always said it is 25 to 34. Mm -hmm. So, so I mean, it's it's those millennials, elder millennials that yeah. you know they're trying to make these moves. But yeah. the thing is, they they talk about how 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 can we afford these million dollar homes? That's yeah. I mean, right now in Toronto area, it's a million dollars. That's the yeah. average, yeah. Yeah. and that's still a fixer upper. That's tough. So it's like, and that's like uh, the mortgage is four or five K or whatever it is a month at that point, depending on what you got to put down or what's the situation. Yeah. So that's a lot of money to be carrying. Even if you're a tradesperson and you're doing well and you're in your second or third year, you might be pulling off 60 to 80 K, yeah. right? Which is a decent amount, but then you got to factor in, well, you're expected to put 200 K down yeah. and then you got to carry 4 K. So these are big, big numbers. I think saving for down payments hard. Like that's, yeah. that's really hard, especially in, in markets where, you know, as soon as you hit a million bucks, you got to have five, you got to have 20% down, right? Yeah. Sub a million, you know, 5% first 500K, 10% after that. So, um, you know, I, I like the idea, though, again, coming back to planning is that, you know, maybe you don't need to live downtown in Toronto, but no. maybe there's other hot markets that you can get into with a lesser down payment. You're a little bit more leveraged, but you've got a great interest rate. You've got more money in your bank because you haven't put it all towards your down payment. You get into the game and you can you can get some of that asset appreciation. And the reality of it is, is to play that game of getting into these larger properties is you got to start somewhere. Where that starts with, I find, is when you can get into a, a piece of real estate, it starts appreciating, the mortgage starts getting paid down, and and the, you know the delta between those two is like where your net worth comes from. And all my buddies that got into real estate at a young age created that spread at a young age and were able to then get into that next property and it, and it kind of just kept kept cycling. And yeah. you found that you know, those individuals have had five, six, seven, eight homes. And then the others, they kind of waited for the perfect opportunity. They've had one home and they haven't had the... But that's what I've spoken to. So yeah. as many people like yourself that I've spoken to, that is such a huge misconception. Yeah. It's like you do not wait, man. Yeah. That's, that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. And find a market that you like. Like you don't need to live. I mean... Especially this last year, I get you want to be maybe downtown, but there's a lot of great spots. Like I was in, you know, Nova Scotia playing hockey out there in a town <laughs> of 6,000 people. And we had a great time. And, you know, real estate was cheap. So I know that like the industry out there is like small. It's, it's not relevant necessarily. But what I'm saying is you can get into a different market, get into a home ownership position. You can always pivot and change and life's going to ebb and flow. Like enjoy the journey, but get in. Get in and have that yeah, asset. Yeah. And then once you have that asset, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, you look a lot more attractive to the banking lending yeah, situations, yeah, right? You build, yeah, you're building up a history, a track record. You've got an asset. I mean, yeah, get get in there if you can, but don't you don't gotta follow what everyone else is doing. Like go a little bit different. Don't don't be downtown if you don't have to. Like you don't no. have to pay the premium. You know, get into that emerging market, you know? 
All right, so we got one more last segment yeah. here to do. Just want to remind everybody again, Scott Westlake, uh, Westlake Team, and www.scottwestlake.com, thewestlaketeam.com, scott at thewestlaketeam.com to reach out. I'm sure people are going to reach out and ask you a bunch of questions. Yeah, I love it. Do it. I got 12 questions for you. Let's yep, see. Yeah. I'm curious about these because okay. you, you like to hang drapes, man. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite construction word? Buzzsaw. Buzzsaw? Yeah, okay. That sounds kind of cool. <laughs> What is your least favorite construction word? Budget. <laughs> no one wants to. You're, you're not you the only do. one. You're not the, you had no budget. Yeah, you're not, you're not the only one. Yeah. What what turns you on in construction? Stone. Stone. Like I'm thinking. Good natural stone. Yeah, like you picture, like what like you know what you can do with like a cool island in a kitchen or like a washroom. Like like stone's pretty sexy. Just natural. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I don't know. Like all the differences, I wish I knew more, but I see it in like the budget line, you know, when I'm like financing <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, Depends on how rare the yeah, stone like, is. That's a sexy stone, mm. or it should be based on the price. Right? Yeah. So I think stone is pretty cool. <laughs> what turns you off in construction? Ooh. Delays. Yeah, but that's construction. I know, man. <laughs> but it's, don't, you know, you can't blame anyone, but that's tough. Delays suck. Uh, what's your favorite curse word? Okay, so probably it's not even like really a curse word, but my son's three and he says, damn it. Damn and it. I, and he's like, but he's just like, but it's hilarious. With so such emotion? Like, it's just like, yeah, he says it as if I'm just dropping the F bomb and he just goes, <laughs> my son's just like, damn it, damn it, daddy, damn it. And I'm like, where do you, I don't even know where he got it from, right? So, <laughs> got it from somebody. Got it from somebody. What is your favorite vehicle? Oh, okay, so. Anything in the world. Yeah, I know. So this is like not. They're crazy, but I think it's super cool. I saw them when I was in Wisconsin everywhere, and they were pontoons, like in the water, right? Like a pontoon. Yeah. So, like, if you're in Muskoka's or, you know, college country, everyone's got, like, speedboats. Yeah. But in the Midwest, they got pontoons. Pont it's like they got the dog, they got the family, the friends. It's like a big flat, you know, vehicle, and everyone's, like, drinking and partying. And well, that's just, pretty like, cool. Lazy river. It's chill. I, I just, that's just serenity, man. I would, I'd buy pontoon. I mean, I'd buy like a lot of cool stuff. Like, <laughs> but like the pontoon is like chill. I like that. That's the first one for the show. I yeah. love it, man. Yeah. What's your, what's your least favorite vehicle? Uh, what's the um, what's that like really really tiny smart car? Yeah, smart car. Man. Yeah, that yeah. that one's been mentioned more I, than a few times. Really? Cause, yeah. Because like I feel like you could hit one and like unintentionally, and it's gonna be bad when you drive it and you're. Your construction it's a can. Truck. It's a can of some yeah. sort. It, yeah, it's, it's just dangerous looking, man. Oh, you know what else, though? What's that? I would say, in a way, motorcycles. Not because I'm against them. <laughs> yeah. But I've seen, like, just personally, like, a lot of injuries. Yeah, me too. So I'm kind of yeah. like, maybe Chopper is cool, but, like, Crotch Rockets... That's your least or your best? No. Uh, like, like, at least. Like, like, I like them, but I think that they're, like... I've seen a lot of, like, bad things with bikes. Yeah. So I'm yeah. kind of, like, don't want my kids on them, you know? But... You, you probably like bike. You like bike. I have a bike, man. I, was say you got I have a bike, yeah. and I've been down twice. Just so. be careful. Be no, careful. you just got to be careful. I tell everybody, get a bike because you'll be a better driver. It's That's not necessarily the, the rider. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's always a rider, but then I see those idiots zipping through traffic, yeah, yeah. and I just I don't I don't do that. I don't like it. That's fair. It's the roads, man. That's yeah. what it is. But that's cool. If you get on a bike, you'll you'll you know it's like the pontoon, man. You'll be hooked. Yeah, it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the pontoon. That's it. my serenity. Uh, what construction sound or noise do you love? It's like a hammer. Hammer. It's just like it's like like how I started my business. Like ba it's like just basic. It's just defined. It's, it's like it's just a man with a hammer, a woman with a hammer. Like it's like it's basic. It's simple. It's easy. And like 
so much in life can get done with like very simple tools if you just like apply them properly. <laughs> what what sound or noise do you hate? Oh, the buzz saw. Like that's a cool word, but I'm so like I just feel like that sound. Don't screeching. Hurt you. Don't, don't cut off your arm. Like you know, <laughs> I, I don't don't. I just it's dangerous, man. I, I avoid that stuff. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Oh, have you watched Yellowstone? No, it's oh, a good. I heard really good things so about it. Good. Is it good? It's like they're like ranchers, like yeah, gangsters. Yeah. Like that's like but that, in modern day, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like today, yeah. It's like based on today. So like, if I could do another job, I feel just like being a, a rancher. Ranch. Yeah, it'd be so cool. It's so different than what I do, like being in nature every day, not behind a computer or a desk. Like you that. might start talking to the cattle, man. Be badass. <laughs> and those guys are like they're like they're cool. They're not like every yeah. day. Like they're they're cool. Uh, what profession would you not like to do? <laughs> Like I respect a ton, but garbage, like garbage. Tard. man. Tard. Like, I get my son and I, I, I get him to come out and help me with recycling garbage every week. And like, man, it's a pain. I respect those, what they do, but like, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Uh, last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Boom. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Here, just, just some excitement. You know? here, here it is. Let's go. All right, so this has been great, Scott. Thanks so much. Yeah, I mean, I do you want to leave our listeners with anything last or how? I mean, we've talked a lot about little details, and, no. and I hope that they're listening, taking notes, and reach yeah. out to you. And if they got any questions, and I guess just pull the trigger, just start. Pull the trigger. Like, love being on the show. Respect what you're doing. I think Thanks. people that that share or just like people that I look up to. Cause I, I'm more introverted when it comes to like sharing information at times. So love that you pulled all this content out of me. Hopefully it, it benefits, you know, just one person makes me happy. But if you need help, let me know. Don't be shy. Pull yep. the trigger. Manny, you're the man. Thanks man. I appreciate happy, it. Scott. Happy birthday. <laughs> it's not my birthday yet. <laughs> I got a fake birthday on Facebook and everyone keeps on reaching out to me in there June and asking me, Hey, it's right. No, it's not triple W, uh, Scott Westlake, uh, com, And also the Westlake team.com and reach out to him. Honestly, guys, reach out to him. He'll answer all your questions, man. Scott at the Westlake team.com. Scott, man. Thanks very much. Thanks brother. Appreciate it. All right. We out of here, man.